our scripture lesson this morning does come from the prophet Isaiah. And this is not exactly a summer scripture lesson. You're going to hear this and you're going to think, good Lord, Molly, why in the world did you pick this one? Sometimes there are wonderful things that we can learn from non-summer scripture passages. So let us listen for God's word. The vision of Isaiah, son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord? I have had enough burnt offerings of rams and the fat of the fed beef. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or of goats. When you come before me, who asks this from your hand? Trample my courts no more. Bringing offerings is futile. Incense is abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and calling of convocation, I cannot endure solemn assemblies with iniquity. Your new moons and your appointed festivals, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you stretch out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rescue the oppressed. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. Come now. Let us argue it out, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let us pray. Your prophets of old, O oh God, listened. They listened. And sometimes your word was hard. And yet, through them you spoke truth. Through them you spoke to heal your people. You spoke to save. You spoke to make us whole. As we worship today, O oh God, hear and speak. Let us hear what you would say to us to make us whole. 
And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may have noticed I did not come to church last Sunday. You noticed, right? I was away at a prayer retreat. I needed a prayer retreat. I so needed the prayer retreat, and this seemed to be the weekend to do it, that I searched and searched and searched and searched for some place that would offer a prayer retreat on August the 4th and that I could go to. And after much searching, the place that I found was Loyola on the Potomac, a Jesuit retreat center, and I thought that it was okay to go and hang out with the Jesuits for a day. And so I drove down to this uh, uh, lovely, lovely retreat center um, south in Maryland, and I pulled onto this windy road, and there was the retreat center, and I went in, and there was my name on the bulletin board with my room assignment. They gave you a little room for the day, and I went up, and as soon as I opened the door on my little room cell, I was in so much joy. It was quiet. It turned out that this was a silent retreat center. It was an introvert's paradise. Paradise. And I was just immediately so happy. And, and I had my, my little room and in this silent retreat center, but at 11.30, I did go to Mass. Don't know if I'd ever really been to a full Mass. And um, there were about 30 people there, and the priest was really wonderful. He did a really nice job. I enjoyed his message. It's great for preachers to sit in the pew, because then we, we remember what it's like to experience worship and start to wonder, well now, what's it like for the people in my pew? So it was a wonderful experience of worship. And after worship, we had lunch in silence. <laughs> and I read and I had some meditation time. I, I spoke with the priest, which I'll tell you about later. But then, out behind this retreat center was the Potomac. And if you remember last Sunday, it was the most glorious day of the year. And I sat out in silence and looked over the Potomac and the blue sky and hung out with Jesus, and Jesus and I watched these birds. They were sort of like hawks float on the wind. And there were many of them, and they were floating on the wind, and Jesus kept saying, hey, see Molly, see the way they float on the wind and use the power of the Spirit to soar? I came home feeling so 
alive. So wonderfully alive from my experience of a full day of prayer and worship and hanging out with God. So it was a little strange to come back and read the scripture passage in which God very vociferously says that um, God's basically fed up with worship. And, and that's it, God says. I don't want your worship. I don't want to hear your prayers. I don't want to receive the offerings. I don't want to hear your songs. I don't want you to meet. I'm done with it. No justice, no worship. And God gets up and leaves church. That's it. And I can hear some of us saying, well, that's maybe because of the kind of worship. I mean, we don't kill animals and sacrifice and all that blood. But then we can sort of understand how God may get upset when you've got people on this side of the world in their religious ceremonies and people on this side of the world in these religious ceremonies, and they're all praying that God will kill the other one. How God could get fed up with those kinds of prayers and that kind of worship. And the blood on the hands then becomes something about the blood of violence. And on the other hand, I can hear my mission people out there starting to get really excited because here is proof in the Bible that mission is what it's really all about. We didn't really need that worship stuff anyway. It's about serving the poor and doing advocacy, and that's what it's really all about. And I can feel my worship people getting really nervous and anxious and saying, yeah, but, 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 but the songs really are important, the prayers really are important. And I can just imagine the sort of budget wars that Isaiah might start. And I can hear some others out there saying, wait a minute. What do you mean God doesn't hear our prayers? What do you mean that God might just get so fed up that God just walks away and refuses to listen to us? Because we need God to hear our prayers. Especially when we have not lived up to be the people or the society that we know God would have us be. And there are people maybe here who are also thinking, now I know why God didn't answer my prayer. It's because I did something so terrible that God can't even look at me. And we can see how we can twist Scripture and have it mean terrible things that simply are not true. God loves us. God hears our prayers. God loves us because God is love. Three stories that might help us sort of get a handle on this all come from 
my experience in South Africa at the height of apartheid in 1983 I was invited as part of a delegation to spend the summer in South Africa learning what the Presbyterian Church there was doing in terms of working for justice in light of the great oppression from uh, the apartheid system of government. And the first group of people that my group met were people who were really, really into worship. We spent a week at a conference center worshiping. And we prayed, and we sang songs, and we listened to sermons, and then we broke out into small groups. And what did we talk about in small groups? Worship. And we talked about what kind of music was right for worship and how we might pray and what the best prayers were for worship. And after a while, somebody fell and twisted their knee and they said, well, that's because we weren't praying right and we need to pray more and we need to worship more. And never once in that entire week did we hear anything about justice or what was happening in that nation. Never once in the entire week did we hear anyone speak or call for us to care for the oppressed or advocate for change or justice in that nation. And that was not worship. Some of the next people that we met were really advocating for the poor and the oppressed. They were doing things like teaching the black children how to read English because in that system of apartheid, one of their strategies was to break people into groups, into being Afrikaans or being Indian or being Zulu or Kosa. And, and so each of those groups were only allowed to learn their own language, which would keep everybody separate and apart. And if you didn't learn English, how could you really have a job in the white world. So to teach a young black kid how to read was a very, very subversive thing to do. And we found people who were working in townships and advocating for the poor and really trying to change the system. And it was such a relief that these folks were doing justice except that at one point I overheard them talking about how other people really didn't know what it was like to suffer as they had suffered. And maybe part of their job was to show people what it was like to suffer. And that's not justice. That's something else but it's not justice. And then there were people who would be in demonstrations and who would get down on their knees and pray and have to be hauled off by the police because they wouldn't stop praying. And when they couldn't have a demonstration because the police were there and told them they couldn't assemble, would call for a worship service and go back inside the church 
and call for justice in the midst of a worship service, even when the police came into the church and pointing right at the police who were standing right there with their guns and say, you are part of the problem and God will not stand for the violence. God will not stand for you going into townships and rounding up people at night and bulldozing their homes. God will not stand for that. Now that was worship. And it was justice. God has something really important to say to us in this scripture. And God comes so down so hard on worship because it's not worship without the justice. But neither is there justice without worship. And it's not that there's even a balance of the two. What God is saying is you cannot have one without the other. That worship and justice are two sides of the same coin. We can distinguish them, but we cannot separate them. We cannot take them apart. Worship, which ignores injustice, is not worship. And justice that does not flow from a deep connection with the love of God is not justice. When we are at our best, Christ our center, children are our blessing, and justice is our passion, are all interwoven and working together, and you can't take any of them out. And that is what makes us alive and makes us soar and makes us our best. But there's another, I think, more personal meaning to what God is saying. See, I went to the prayer retreat because on my spiritual sort of tank, like, like if you're in the car and there's your gas tank and the red light comes on, the red light on my spiritual reserves had been on for a while. And you know how you can go for a while with the, with the little needle on the red line? And you can even go for a little while sort of with it below the red line because that red light's still kind of going in and out. And, in. and then, then there's that time where you are going to run out of gas. And I've done that in my car. Don't want to do that. And so I really knew that I needed to get up there for a prayer retreat. And the person I did speak to in the midst of all that silence, when I got there, I knew that there were priests that did spiritual direction. And, and I, one of the first people I met was a priest, and I said, hey, um, would you just pray for me at some point during the day? And so I went in, and, you know, the priest said, so, what's going on? And I, and I just started to say, I don't pray enough. My spirit is just so dry. I take everything on myself. 
and I know I shouldn't do that, and I worry so much about everything, and I can't stop worrying about everything. And, and, and he kind of said, okay. And then he started to talk. I thought spiritual directors listened, but this guy just started to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And um, so much for all that silence. But he, he said a few things that really helped me and I want to offer to you. He said, Molly, your worries are prayers. Your worries are reaching out to God and creating that space for God to come. And then he said, you know, Molly, and he started to teach me about Ignatius because they were Jesuits, right? And um, I didn't know that much about Ignatius of Loyola. I knew that he did Lectio Divina, and I, I don't like Lectio Divina, so I just didn't really know. But he started to tell me about Ignatian spirituality, where Ignatius really believed and had his disciples say, you know, your work is your prayer. Your work, caring for people, caring for your family, doing your study, enjoying life, doing justice, serving at Miriam's kitchen, negotiating a deal, teaching a child. This is your prayer. He said, you've heard of Preach the gospel, if necessary, use words. Well, yeah, of course I've heard of that. But then he said, prayer is also your work. Pray. Pray as if it all depends on you, but work as if it all depends on God. And he, he said, and I don't know if this is true or not, that Ignatius of Loyola only allowed his disciples to pray for 15 minutes a day because their work was their prayer. But it worked in a spiral or a continuous circle. They worked and they prayed and they worked and they prayed about that and then they worked and they prayed about that such that work and prayer were so intertwined as to be the same. So that you couldn't really work without the prayer. And you weren't praying if it wasn't connected to your life and your activity in the world. And he gave me this little spiritual exercise and maybe you've heard of it. Have anybody heard of examen? 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 Yes, a few of you have. Well, now, this is something I am never going to let you ever do again in church. We have this thing when we go to Minnesota and we clearly tell our children, this is only a Minnesota thing. So right now, this is only a summer, August 11th, 2013 thing that you are allowed to do in church. But... What I want you to do, all of you who have your smartphones, and don't tell me that you're already using them, find a smartphone, 
You got your smartphone? Anybody out there? It's okay. It's all right. I'm giving you permission. Google Examen, and let's just find out. Find out. E-X-A-M-E-N. Now, remember, are we allowed to do this in church every time? Will you get in trouble? E-X-A-M-E-N. Does anybody have it up yet? E-X-A-M-E-N. Who's got one thing that they can tell about it? Go ahead. Okay, good. Reflection, events of the day. Who else is one? You are that slow with Google? Give it to your kids, for heaven's sake. We've got one. us to see God's hand at work in our whole experience. Hey, this is really awesome. What else do we have? Yes. Wow, that's really heavy duty. The one I found was, was, was a little bit lighter. Sort of but, okay, focusing on scripture, focusing your prayer. What's another one? There are, there are five parts of Examen, and I know not everybody has a smartphone, which is why I made up little cards when you leave with the five parts of Examen, okay? And the first part is to relax into the love of God. And the priest there told me, he said, when you lie down in bed at night, Molly, relax into the love of God. And then he said, go through the day and give thanks. Just look through the day and give thanks. And then he said, look back over the events of the day and see where God was at work. Where God was at work through the day. You might also notice where God wasn't at work. And just notice these things. And then ask forgiveness for the ways in which we blocked God's spirit. And finally, end in hope that God will guide us in the day to come. We are most alive when we have learned to fully integrate our lives with the Spirit of God. Our lives with the Spirit of God. When we recognize our prayer is our work and our work is our prayer. And then we can look at those hawks soaring on the wind on the energy of God 
doing their work. And we can be that alive. Amen.